If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Wow. Welcome back to another One Voice Podcast. I feel like we've had so many great authors. In fact, many of them are coming from the, the same publisher, Brazos Press. I just love all of these amazing women who are putting out some incredible books. They have such powerful voices, so much wisdom, so much grace. And we have another one with us today, Shannon Evans. Welcome to the One Voice Podcast. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So you, you are an author, but you're releasing a new book. It's called Rewilding Motherhood, Your Path to an Empowered Feminine Spirituality. And I must say from Jump, your book cover is gorgeous. I know. I love it too. (laughs) I mean... My favorite childhood story is The Secret Garden, and it reminds me of that. Someone else said that. That made me so happy. No way. Yeah. I love that, too, as a kid. Uh, Yeah. Rosanna Tasker is the illustrator, and Braz has had the idea to, to do an illustrated cover, which I'm not sure if they've done it before. They haven't done it often, Um, and so they kind of... Yeah, it pulled some artists together and let me choose, um, but, you know, without knowing what they would do, but I just love yeah. Rosanna's work. And so, yeah, I was thrilled. With uh, that's so cool. I know with my books, it, it feels so vulnerable just to trust someone with your cover and totally. they're, I just feel like these people that make book covers are so gifted. Yeah. <laughs> like all of my covers I've loved. Oh, so. that's awesome. That's really cool. Well, um, well, first of all, yes, the cover is beautiful. I love the title. And I wondered if you could just even begin unpacking about rewilding. Um, I think that's such a really cool term. And as you unpacked it in the book, I just I just felt it was so endearing. For those who listen to the One Voice podcast, many are trauma survivors. Many are kind of going through the healing processes. And um, I think the idea of, of freeing your wild soul has been something that's resonated with so many of us, but rewilding. Um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I came across the concept um, kind of by accident, but I, I knew that I wanted the word wild in the title and we were kind of going back and forth about, um, about, how that could, how that could look, what it could be. And I came across the, the phrase rewilding and it's basically, um, in environmental science, it's a way to restore land that has suffered environmental degradation because of Mm -hmm. human involvement. So Mm -hmm. like humans have come in and messed up the ecosystem and messed up, um, the plant diversity and, and all of that. And Mm -hmm. so basically, it's sort of just removing human intervention and letting nature do what it was meant to do in the first Mm -hmm. place. And it heals Mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. And you see, um, 
you know, you see the original like ecosystems coming back, you see the biodiversity that was meant to be there and you see um, even animals, you know, returning to the, to the environment where they had left. And anyways, it just, it struck something in me of like, that's exactly what like would be my highest hope for this book, mm-hmm. right? Would be to, yeah. to kind of clear a path for women to go on this journey of saying like, what would it look like to kind of reapproach motherhood in a way that that um, removes all of this negative human intervention, all of this stuff that that mm-hmm. like human systems and human consciousness like have put on motherhood that has that has been really unhealthy and really um, harmful for women and for mm-hmm. our, our holistic well being. And so, yeah, that's why we we stuck with it, and I I think mm-hmm. it really encapsulates the spirit of what I hope for the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched the trailer to the book this morning and I just loved what it said. I was just going to read it. You said what we freed motherhood from the unattainable standards and return to a wild motherhood for women who are image bearers of an untamed God, which I love that an untamed God. What if we stop seeing motherhood as a barrier to a deep spiritual life and started seeing as, as a transformative path into a vibrant spirituality, like goodness, that's something I feel like, I mean, obviously Mary and I are both moms of young kids and so many of our listeners are as well. And I think it's hard, like you're wrestling with like who you are, your identity, you're dealing with your traumatic past. We're living in the midst of a pandemic, a really divisive culturally, politically, you know, all these things, like it's difficult. Relationships are hard. Boundaries are difficult. Like, and at the same time, we're trying to connect with our our God, like our spirituality. And what does that look like? How do we wrestle in this chaotic time and find peace and nourishment? And so I think your book is just so timely when it comes to that. And I think for many of us, we really are also struggling with this, um, this wrestling between how did we grow up believing in spirituality and the feminine of it? Right. And like, what has the patriarchy done to shape and influence the idea of motherhood? That's something I've really been wrestling with. Um, And I would love for you to talk a little bit about that because I know your journey has been a little bit like mine and kind of like, you know, just exploring like mysticism and contemplative exercises. I love how you've incorporated a lot of that in here Um, just to be able to stretch our imaginations when it comes not just to healing, not just to spirituality, but also to the idea of motherhood. Yeah. um, Well, thank you for Mm. your kind words, but it's all, there's sort of like this um, collective unconscious movement that's going on in the world right now. I think we're like, all of these things are coming together with, uh-huh. you know, the me too movement and the political climate. And there is just this sense of like this collective, like uprising within women of yeah. um, reclaiming our voice, being open to examining the way that patriarchy has informed our concepts of God and our concept of our own spiritual practice. Um, And like I said, like, that's a, 
that's a huge thing. That's not like a nugget that you can <laughs> take, you know, that's simple to implement. I mean, it yeah. really does. But that's the foundation of yeah. change. Yeah. It really does start tearing apart a lot of things and that can be kind of scary for people. And some people, you know, aren't ready to do that, but maybe they'll be, you know, feel more compelled to do it in a year. But I think mm -hmm. probably the listeners to your podcast have had, you know, ample reason to, to go ahead and start that journey anyway in their own healing. And I think, you know, applying. So for example, I always said that I wasn't going to write a motherhood book because it felt it felt too like precious, you know, mm. like it felt too, um, too girly. And like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be an exclusively mm -hmm. female author. Yeah. Um, or, obviously I'm a female author. Yeah. So I think, I think motherhood as a spiritual path, um, is something that is worth examining and is something that is worth, um, taken seriously. Yeah. And this is something we don't talk about this. Yes. You know right. I mean? Yeah. We talk about it in terms of martyrdom. Mm -hmm. We talk about it, especially in the church. We talk about motherhood as a form of service. Yeah. Never have I ever sat in anything that's talked about it as a spiritual like experience or practice yeah. or a way to a perspective that can be like what you've offered in this book. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I kind of felt passion for of like, yeah, why aren't mm -hmm. there motherhood books for people like me who like want to think deeply and pray deeply and take my spirituality seriously. And, but like 90% of my day, well, before right now I'm, I'm working more, but mm -hmm. is caring for these little people. So yeah. like, if my spiritual practice isn't this, then it's really nothing. Mm -hmm. And then women get all sucked into this like shame spiral because we're yeah. not spending an hour with the Bible <laughs> or, you know, mm -hmm. in prayer, Yes. but we have to find, you know, our spiritual practice in the, the life that we're already living. And that's mm -hmm. what I feel. Um, really compelled to, to present to women is like, God is here, you know, mm -hmm. God is available in the very things that you're already doing. And so, you know, yeah. How do we move forward from there? Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, like really, I kind of realized that my own reservations about writing a book about motherhood or my own reservations about having a female audience was really wrapped up in internalized patriarchy of like, mm -hmm. that's not good enough. That's not, um, that's kind of, you know, silly or superficial. That's not important enough. And so this was like a really important way for me to tear down the, those patriarchal messages that, that, that kind of belittles or like cutesifies. Is that a word? Cutesifies <laughs> motherhood. Oh, I get it. <laughs> you know? It is, yeah. yeah. And cause like you said, it's all about sacrifice or it's all flowery, yeah. you know, when the truth is it's, it is, um, such a concentrated, ex like a concentrated, like, uh, what picture of the human experience, mm -hmm. you know, it's like everything in the human experience boiled into these really intense days and months and years that we're mm -hmm. living. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah anyway yeah and and i think it's important to be able to look at even the practical things like okay to i mean to take the patriarchy and look at that whole framework and how is its influence on me and all these things and how to reframe that. That's one. But another is you really break it down to just simple practices of like noticing. And, and you talk a lot about um, like your Catholic background and you have a lot of Catholic contemplatives that have informed your work, which I love like Henry Nowen and such, but um something that I've actually become more aware of in the last few years, um, being part of the vineyard and, um, just learning more about like spiritual direction has been the Ignatian Ignatian yeah. exercises and all of that. And I think it's been just the, the, the art of noticing things and the, I think it's still an art of being able to say both. And like, especially for survivors, like to notice your feelings about something and then also realize you have work to do, like showing self-compassion for this certain thing that might be an effect of abuse in our life and having compassion for the way that I may feel, the way I may be responding. And also knowing there are things I could maybe do differently next time, like this both and tension. You even talked about that in this book. I really love that chapter. And I wondered if you could expand on that a little bit with survivors in mind, survivors becoming mothers. I mean, that's, there's a lot there for us, especially as women survivors Mm -hmm. of sexual abuse, becoming mothers and holding attention of so many things. Yes. Yes. I think that is, um, yeah, I think that's a spiritual discipline, you know, and I, I include it in the book because it has been such a formative part of my own journey of realizing um, I'm an Enneagram nine. Me too. So like you are. Yeah. So it's like, I have oh, a strong let- eight wing. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> no wonder we're getting along. So uh-huh. um, yeah. So it's, you know, f- for me, I really had to overcome this, this fear of things, not feeling peaceful or th- this fear of conflict whether external or internal, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. um, and instead of numbing myself out or running away from it, which are kind of my go-to responses to be able to sit with it mm-hmm. and, and to say both things can be true, you know, mm-hmm. um, or I don't know what's true yet. And that's mm-hmm. okay too. Yeah. And like you said, Ignatian uh, spiritual exercises actually kind of could you actually define me. that though? Because I think a lot yeah. of listeners won't know what that is. Sure. Yeah. So um, Ignatian spirituality um, is kind of is rooted in the teachings of Saint Ignatius, and um, many people are probably familiar with the Jesuits, the Jesuit order. Um, they are a Catholic order of men who. Um, follow the teachings of St. Ignatius, um, like obviously follow Jesus, but, but through the teachings of St. Ignatius. And so there's a lot of emphasis on, um, inner freedom. There's a lot of emphasis on God in all things. And, um, yeah, so St. Ignatius developed these spiritual exercises that people can go through in a retreat format in like a devotional format, but then there's also, he created the exam and prayer, which is sort of just a way to reflect at the end of the day, or some people pray it, um, 
in the middle of the day. So there's kind of, there's a lot of tools, but I would say the heart of Ignatian spirituality is really, um, is really seeking A, God in all things and B, inner freedom through unattachment to um, not just material things, but unattachment to um, outcomes to what you're hoping, you know, mm. will happen or um, yeah. an attachment to the answer to your prayers and, and mm. how God is going to reveal God's self to you mm-hmm. throughout your life. And just in different ways, just, uh, just more of an openness and an inner freedom. And I, I imagine that that probably resonates um, for you as a survivor and a, yeah. with a lot of survivors, because it's also about self-trust. Yeah. And trusting that the spirit of God is actually within you, like you've always said, but like we have a hard time actually believing that. And so it's easier right. to look to authority, whether that's in general patriarchy or whether that's, you know, a pastor or our own parents. And so the road to becoming, um, becoming the woman that we want to be, the woman that we're called to be is learning how to trust the voice of God within us and how to trust that our voice reflects that um, and that it's worthy of, Mm. of uh, letting our voice be heard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That is such a powerful one. I think for so many of us, we, you know, we, we've struggled with thinking what happened to us was our fault. We struggle with thinking that we put ourselves in the wrong situation. So there's so many parts or that I shouldn't, I should be over this by now, or I should have moved on from here. Or There's all this just self-condemnation that comes, which I think does create a self mistrust. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our healing journey comes through learning to trust ourselves again and learning to trust that inner voice and to, to actually then be able to say like, I don't have to believe what these authority figures are telling me about myself, which most of it is shame-based because it is based in the patriarchy and upholding that system. If we can break that down and get to a place where we can learn like God is in us, God is with us, God is around us. And we can learn to listen to those so small voices. And maybe it's even our own voice. Like there's so much empowerment there. Yeah. Hey, real quick. I just wanted to let you guys know our current fall session for the Unleashed Survivor e-course and support group has already kicked off. We're very excited for all the survivors who are joining us and it's just going to be such a beautiful journey. Sorry for those of you who didn't get in in time just kidding. I really want to offer another one this upcoming January. So please keep your eyes out for that. It will be found at imonevoice.org. You can find out the times. We often have scholarships for those interested and in need of financial help. So reach out to us for that if you're in need of that. Um, But plan ahead for that. I think it'll be a really good experience for many of you who've been thinking about it or have been looking for something to get involved with as far as like finding a small community. It's just such a safe place to be able to show up as you are to talk about, you know, the effects of abuse and the struggles that we're going through and to hear from others and know you're not alone. There's so much value in these groups. I can't say it enough. So please keep your eye out for the next course. The winter course will likely begin right after the new year. Also, we've got new merch. Check it out at the One Voice store. Go to imonevoice.org, click store, 
and we have some really sweet new artwork um, on some t-shirts, some just really empowering messages and wanted to let you know about it as they're about to go on sale next week. I also like um, comparing the, the Ignatian spirituality practices um, with just the healing journey in general, because I feel like it is a journey. It's not the way that you kind of map out some of these, the Ignatian way, these practices, this unattachment to outcomes, this cultivating of inner freedom. It isn't telling you how it's supposed to be. It isn't giving you like these clear cut answers that I think a lot of times we grew up, if we grew up fundamentalist or whatever, it, it was so black and white and there wasn't room for questioning. There wasn't room for curiosity. And with this practice, there is that room. It's the same way that the healing journey I say is lifelong. And we have to also be curious along that path too. There's everyone's journey is different. And so I think that being able to compare that with the journey of finding your spirituality in motherhood is so, um, well, like you said at the beginning, it's very precious Mm -hmm. and it's a precious thought that I could be seeking out what my feminine spirituality looks like as a mother, right alongside my seeking healing for the sexual abuse that I went through in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And the tension between both of those are are pretty similar. Like when you're talking about self-compassion and just the gentleness and um, just things like that, they, they feel, they feel similar. And I, I had underlined a part in the holding tension chapter where you said, as we slowly stop programming our minds around fear and anxiety, we create space for curiosity and hope. And I just felt like that was such a, such a parallel, I think in these two journeys. Yeah. Yes. I think it, um, yeah, when I, a big part of my, um, my own journey as I began writing this book was also dealing with some um, with some sexual trauma in my own life and that I had never really worked through it in counseling. And I think that Mm. that really, um, once I, once I address that of like, oh, this makes sense why I don't feel like I have a voice. This makes sense why I feel like, oh, it doesn't really matter what I say. So I'm going to have, I mean, I'm someone who has like strong, passionate opinions, but like, it's just easier to keep them to myself. You know what I mean? (laughs) Which is crazy because you're so articulate. Like the way you've written this book, I'm just like, I wish I could say it like that. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, well, I wish I could speak it that way. Writing (laughs) comes easier to me, but thank you. But yeah. So for me, that's very personal wrapped up in this, um, my, my healing journey and my motherhood journey. Um, being interwoven together Mm. kind of with the threads of self-trust with the threads of, um, being able to, to sit in the tension and to say, this isn't necessarily going to, um, magically resolve, but here I am, you know, in the present. And yeah, I, I just, Mm. I just really, I I wasn't sure if I was going to even like share that, but, (laughs) but what you said, okay, good. Um, yeah. Cause it just felt so, 
real to me that that was a very real part mm-hmm. of my, my story and bringing these two things together. Yeah. 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 Because doesn't it seem like we've grown up thinking motherhood was going to be about giving our children a voice and yeah. it means taking ours away. Our voice is only meant to shape them. Oof. I will never for, forget being at a women's conference years ago and the speaker who I love and adore and I think is so brilliant said before you're a mother you're the picture and then once you become a mother you become a frame and at that time in my life I was like that's really brilliant and I really I'm living that out Mm -hmm. and then as I've grown matured and evolved in the last 12 years I keep coming back to that and I'm like that's kind of bs yeah I (laughs) I still get to be a picture right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Isn't oh, it yeah, both totally. and? <laughs> it is. It totally is. And you know, and I think I think that you know in the early motherhood years there is sort of this place for because that's the challenge. Like like the the dying to yourself, the the loving someone even more than you care about your own sleep or even the more more than you care about, mm-hmm. you know, X, Y, and Z for yourself. Like that's a new experience for us. And that is sacred and beautiful and so important. But we also, it would be really unhealthy for us to stay there forever. Right. You know, so it makes sense that that really spoke to you mm-hmm. at one time. And in the book, I, I kind of talk about a similar experience I have with like this, um, this symbol of the, this ancient symbol of a pelican mother, um, poking her breast to, to feed her young blood in times of famine. And that, that was like a loaded thing that I just said, but people can go look it up if they want. It's a, it's a, it's like an ancient symbol. And, um, that was resonating so powerfully with, for me at one time and Mm -hmm. gave me so much dignity in what I was doing in motherhood. Cause that's what I felt like. I felt like I was just like getting that blood out and getting in my baby's mouths, you know? Um, but eventually I realized like, I'm not supposed to stay there forever. Like Mm -hmm. I, I can't stay there forever and, and be a whole happy thriving person that I believe God wants for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, on the heels of that, I would love to hear you talk about your relationship with Mary, not my Mary, not my co-host Mary, but yes. The Virgin Mary. Yeah. Yes. Jesus. yes yeah. Because that's a part of this where I think we've gotten it all wrong about the mothering. Don't you yeah. think? She's a great example of that. Yeah. Because there is like, I think, you know, for most of us in the Western world anyway, it's, you know, Mary is like, the palest shade of white, you know, she's always wearing pastels. She's always looking tenderly at her son, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, just very, you know, and even like the, the power of her saying yes to the angel Gabriel, like we tend to kind of water that down and make it very like submissive and, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just weaken it somehow. Mm -hmm. And the reality, you know, when we look both in scriptures that like, you know, she's only mentioned a handful of times, but each time it's like, it's pretty interesting. You know, she's <laughs> fleeing Egypt, yeah. <laughs> you know, like running as a refugee with her, mm-hmm. with her infant. Um, she's like 
bossing Jesus around at the wedding of Cana, you know, telling him. And like, I love that because I think that there's so much affection in that story when she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, change, you know, he's going to change the water into wine. Like, I know, I know he will because it's, it's what would bring people joy. And I just love uh-huh. like their little banter in that. And uh-huh. then, you know, being, being there at the cross and then being there with the mm-hmm. early church mm-hmm. when they're present. And she's like, you think of everything from a historical perspective, everything that she was up against. And you're like, this woman was a badass. This wasn't, yeah. this wasn't a woman who was just like, you know, piously like sitting in a corner all the time or whatever, just, just submitting to everybody who comes along. Oh, and her Magnificat where she's like the Lord, you know, will cast down the mighty and and lift up the humble and um, mm-hmm. send the rich away and feed the hungry with good things. And like, it's just, like she got it, you know, yeah. and I think we really underestimate that. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going off because I could talk about Mary forever. But like, <laughs> I love like the Latin America traditions of Mary are very empowering. Yeah, and she's really yeah. a feminist symbol. She's really a, like a divine feminine symbol. Right. And um, I just find that I find that so inspiring. And, and I love um, that contribution that the Latin American culture has given the Catholic church mm-hmm. and the greater church. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to take things from other cultures and other, you know, practices and, mm-hmm. and find out what your own is, you know, especially mm-hmm. young mothers, we, we just kind of tend to do what we, we grew up with, whether yeah. it was traumatic and toxic or not, yeah. you know, and I think a big part of, of learning you know, our relationship with God and working out our spirituality as young moms is also about some of that. It's, it's unlearning some of the toxic traumatic things that we grew up with and maybe, maybe borrowing some practices from other moms that we know, or Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, like I, I have a, you know, a Latina mom, that's a good friend of mine. I love some of the things that she brings into her mothering and I've adopted some of that myself. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's been really good. I, I love how, you know, even like Catholicism has informed your work now and how, you know, you've lived in other countries and, mm-hmm. you know, you just gather things as moms and, and begin to make it your own. What is the most, what brings you the most inner freedom in this time in your place? Right. Like, I think those are the good questions to ask. And I love how you talk so much about not just parenting from inner freedom, but really it's just living from inner freedom, yeah. like living out of that inner freedom. Where do you find that? And how can that become part of your daily practice as a mom? Yes. Yes, totally. I think it's important too, that we think about finding our life meaning in motherhood. Um, I think a lot of my friends, young moms, especially moms in the Christian church, again, it's about becoming that frame. And now your life purpose is wrapped up in these little stinky butts running around your house. (laughs) And I mean, I think that's obviously there's, there's a, there's a big piece of that where you do find part of your life meaning in that. But I noticed that you did touch on this a little bit in the book and I really appreciated how you, you talked about 
unless you find that meaning within your, yourself, the purpose within yourself, the wholeness within yourself, unless you're doing that, like when I picture my healing journey, it's rugged, it's hilly, it's there's valleys there's straightaway sprints. Like it's, it's crazy, but it's beautiful. And it's something I'm on and no one else is on my path. And then I think about this path in this, what you're talking about, rewilding motherhood this path to an empowered feminine spirituality, it's on the same plate. It's on the same mountains. It's just a different path, but I'm actually on both of them. And I, and I'm like, my kids are kind of on it too, but they have their own path too. Right. And that I, I really liked how you, you talked in the book about if you, if you don't find this meaning for yourself, you're actually stealing from your kids every day of their lives. And you said, my children deserve better. Can you talk about that? That is a really important message for young moms in a chaotic world right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's, and I just want to preface this by saying, this is not about like every woman should work outside the home. I don't believe that at all, you know? Um, Absolutely. So totally validating stay at home moms. This is not that conversation at all. Um, I think women should pursue what makes them happy, obviously, or what their family needs. Some women just need to work. Um, but yeah, so I, I always believe and will say, um, that no matter how many hours a day you are physically in front of your children, Mm -hmm. um, that's sort of irrelevant to this conversation because, um, women can work outside the home and still, be finding identities like solely in their motherhood or, or, you know, we say identity or meaning or purpose, or mm-hmm. someone could be a stay at home mom and, and really, um, really be walking out a lot of inner freedom in this. And this is not, you know, so I just want to want to go ahead and say that, but regardless of how many hours a day you're actually facing your children physically, I think that there is this, there's something I say, there's something convenient about having an identity handed to you when, when your child is born or, or adopted or fostered or whatever of just Mm -hmm. like, now you're a mother. And I think church culture is really happy to do that of like, now this is who you are. And now this is what's going to bring you joy and intimacy with God and fulfillment and all of those things. Um, but the truth is that no other person can ever do that for you. You know, whether it's your, your spouse or your children or your community, yeah. um, your Bible study, you know, like you, that's only something that can come from within you. Yeah. And when we try to get other people to fill it for us, then we are essentially robbing them of some of their life source. Like we're sucking their life source out of them, you know? And I think um, yeah, that's a really tragically kind of a really common thing to see moms do. And I know I've done it, you know, I've done it in seasons of my life too. And now I'm sort of moving into this place of really consciously Mm. saying like, Oh, nope, not doing that anymore. You know, like, um, yeah. Uh, need to need to return to myself a little bit, need to find some stillness and some silence and to really ground myself because, you know, and, and, that can sort of manifest in tons of different ways for people. So I don't want to be like, give a checklist of what to look for, because I think we just need to listen to ourselves and kind of know Mm -hmm. when that's happening. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. yeah, I think, I think it's, you know, we moms are so wired to care so much about our children that I think it's very motivating and to kind of be shocked into realizing, oh, that's unhealthy for them just right. as it's unhealthy for me, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Learning boundaries, even with your children, I think, yeah. and giving them a voice while you're finding your own. So, so important. I think there's a, a tension there between what we we're just talking about of like your life meaning inter- intertwined with motherhood and also like the loss of self intertwined with childhood or yeah. with motherhood where, you know, you kind of go back and forth between the two and it, and it can be a real, a real right. tension. Um, sometimes I'm wondering if feeling the loss of self as you become a mother causes you to then throw yourself into, well, then this is my life meaning these, yeah, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, I think absolutely. And, um, you know, I think there can be a lot of frustration of like, okay, that's great, but I don't know how to do that. Like, what does that look like practically? Um, and Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I give a lot of suggestions in the book and I give a lot of practices that I, that I hope will be helpful for women. Um, but it is, you know, always different, but I think boundaries are a huge part of that conversation because if, yeah. if you're operating in a household that is expecting you to be all things to all people, you know, if, if you're living in a household yeah. that's expecting you to be the martyr, because right. maybe that's the part you've always played and or that's, that's everybody the part your spouse's mom always played. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, then it's going to be, it's going to disrupt the system a lot yeah. to yeah. put up some boundaries and to say, and to voice your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really the only way forward. And it really is the most loving thing and the healthiest thing for every single part, every person in the system. So it's not, um, it's not selfish at all. It's, it's for the well being of the entire group, yeah. but it can feel really um, jarring when you first start putting it into practice. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say sitting through that, that mm-hmm. jarring feeling to the other side and see, well, maybe that was a little bit worth it, or this feels a little bit lighter. Or I feel more at home in my body now. Like at first it's going to feel really yucky. But a lot of the things that are worth fighting for might feel hard at first because it's not what we've always known. So I really love how you're, how you're saying that Um, because yeah, healing does take practice and finding wholeness really does take practice and shaking systems that were meant to hold you down (laughs) will take practice, but as we work them out, it's worth it. I think it's really cool how, you know, I, I love how you shared a little bit about your own journey and your trauma and I really, um, treasure that. And I, and I really appreciate you trusting us with that. Um, and, but I also find it very interesting how, as I'm reading through this book, I was finding a lot of those parallels for myself. And it was like an unspoken thing for you, um, in the midst of writing it. Um, because as I'm reading, like there's so many chapters in rewilding motherhood that, I think especially survivors of sexual abuse and all childhood trauma can really relate to because the struggle in adulthood, specifically as mothers wraps itself around so many of your chapter titles, identity, boundaries, anger, 
you know, we have a hard time getting in touch with anger. We're not supposed to be mad at it, you know, becoming gentle with ourselves in exchange for criticism. We talked a little bit about that releasing control. I mean, obviously that's one of the biggest things for us. We have to have control or we feel awful. You know, we're scared of what's going to come. Um, Oh, trusting our inner knowing our intuition. Huge. I love that chapter so much. And then obviously just connecting with God. Many of us have religious trauma, church hurt. Um, so all of it really is wrapped up in so much of what you're talking about. And I think a lot of our listeners will relate, especially, um, those of us who, who have become moms. So I guess, um, is there anything that you feel like you would want to share to other survivors out there who are, you know, deep in the trenches with some of this stuff, or if that feels like too big of a question, I wonder if there's one specific area that you feel like, um, could be something that we could just kind of hone in on as survivors, like maybe even just a practice, Mm -hmm. um, that could help with finding that freedom or reframing of what motherhood looks like for someone who has been taught that we're supposed to take it all on us our whole lives. Right. Right. You know, I think, um, I have so so many thoughts going through my head, but I think, Probably. I know my, my questions are always too big. <laughs> I know <laughs> this about myself. And it's I'm better work than them being this. small and boring. Um, well, true. No, I think. What's your favorite color? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like this, this might be controversial and I don't know your audience as well, but I think that a really healing thing for women in general, and maybe especially for survivors, is to begin, and I talk about this in the book too, begin um, seeing what it feels like to imagine God as a mother, Um, or if your mother was toxic, simply as female, like in the Mm -hmm. feminine. Um, And that that's a whole loaded conversation. But I think that there, there is precedent for that. Like there is, you know, we say, you know, there's, there's, um, wisdom Sophia in the, in the old Testament is referred to as she, which is, um, and then there's the, the Shekinah in the Jewish tradition, the spirit is also she, Mm. and, you know, we have some metaphors sprinkled through the Bible of midwife and mother hen and things like that. And I think it's, Mm. um, I only say that because a lot of times people feel like that's really taboo and they can't, um, they can't use that as part of their spiritual imagination. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, it's time we questioned that and mm-hmm. said, you know, is that actually, you know, a tool of the patriarchy that, that we can do away with now at this point in civilization. And, and I think it's um, for me personally, it's just been such a healing thing to, and I, for context, I have a great relationship with my dad. It's not perfect, but it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that, but it's, I relate, I've found that I relate to God very differently when I imagine the maternal and what, when I yeah. let myself be mothered. And so yeah. I think that can be a really um, healing practice to implement. Yeah. 
in our spiritualities. I love that you said that. I wasn't expecting that. And (laughs) I will say, I think it is controversial. I think it's hard when we're really boxed in. Um, It's hard to even imagine that it it seems almost like heretical, but if you really are willing to be curious and stretch your imagination, if God is as big as we've said, he is right. He is. Then (laughs) what if there is a feminine yeah. Peace to that. And I will say personally, that has been one of the most healing parts for my journey. Um, yeah. Just spiritually on my healing journey. Mm. I, for me, it started out imagining the Holy spirit as a feminine. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. God, the father, but the Holy spirit as a, she right. in my prayer life was yeah, really transformative. That. It felt, it felt very nurturing it felt comforting. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of my shame fell off mm-hmm. when I was yeah. able to look at it that way and speak in those kinds of terms. Um, we had one of my friends, Christina Cleveland was a guest um, on the podcast in the past. And she asks the question, what if God is a black woman? And that mm-hmm. actually has been one of the most healing relationships of my life. God that. is a black woman. I love Christina Cleveland. (laughs) I'm not friends with her personally, but yeah, her work has really, really impacted me a lot. Mm, Me too. I'm so glad to hear that. So yes, thank you for sharing that. I think just being willing to, to sit with things that are uncomfortable, but maybe in the end could be super comfortable. In fact, comforting um, is a really good goal for those of us healing from trauma and also healing from the patriarchy, to be honest with you. Right. So this is so fun. I just adore you. I think you're so cool. I know. Um, I'm like, let's go get coffee now. (laughs) Next time I'm in Iowa. Yeah. Next time you just happen to be in Iowa. When we, we moved here, we lived here, um, six years and I, I was like, pretty sure I knew where I was, where it was on the map, but not a hundred percent sure. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you where it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nose, you know, the man in the middle, it's the nose. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll be there. Well, thank you, Shada. This has been such a joy. So your book, Rewilding Motherhood, actually just came out as we released this podcast. Yeah. So please let people know where you would like them to get it and how they can follow you. Yeah. Um, well, it's available anywhere books are sold. Um, obviously, I, I love supporting independent booksellers. So if you have one local to you or you could use Bookshop online. Um, but, you know, if you're an Amazon person, it's there too. <laughs> but right. I appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. And then how, how would you like people to connect with you or not connect with you, but just watch you? That's my (laughs) preference. (laughs) No, I, I, I love Instagram and I'm like always in my DMs. So people can find me there. Shannon K Evans. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, just less often. Instagram is where to connect mostly. That's right. That's right. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Shannon. You're awesome. Keep putting out so much good work. We appreciate you. You too. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org. 